I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. May I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I think you all will agree with me that one of the great joys and blessings of this life are good friends. Some of my happiest memories are times spent with friends, filled with laughter, conversation, hikes through the North Carolina mountains, evenings gathered around a fire, or dinner parties that stretch long into the night. One way you can tell who your true friends are is that they're people you spend time with for no particular reason. Friends simply enjoy being together. They make you laugh, great big embarrassing belly laughs. They know all of the stories on you. They're themselves when they're around you, and you're yourself when you're around them. Real friends are faithful. They're when you need them, even when it costs them something. They also probably have embarrassing stories about you that they love telling every chance that they get, as I'm told my dear wife did about me in the 1015 service last Sunday when I forgot my own birthday. I want to focus on friendship this morning because that's where Jesus points us in today's gospel lesson. Jesus tells us something today that I think should absolutely astonish us. That is, that you and I are called not just to be his servants, but his friends. The eternal and almighty God who created the heavens and the earth who needs nothing and knows everything. It turns out that this God wants to be friends with you and me. And if that's true, then it means that God wants to spend time with us, as it were, to grow closer in our friendship, to talk around the dinner table long into the night for no other reason than the joy of friendship. It means God also is faithful, like a true friend is faithful, there for us when we need him, even if it means laying down his life. It means that the closer we are to God, the more we grow into better and fuller versions of ourselves. The wisest thinkers in the history of the Christian church saw here a deep clue to the heart of what the Christian faith is all about. St. Thomas Aquinas said that this shows what we were made for. That is, we were made for friendship with God. That's what it's all about, Aquinas says. That's why God made us, so that we could be his friends. It's a beautiful thought, isn't it? You might even say that it's too good to be true, except that we have it on the words of Jesus himself. For a Christian, of course, nothing is ever too good to be true. In fact, it's just the opposite. What's true in the gospel is far, far better than anything we can ever imagine. So this morning, I want to look at four truths, four good truths, that we learn from Christ's invitation to be his friends. Two truths about God, one truth about us, 
and one truth about God's call in our lives. The first truth about God is this. God is friendship all the way down. What do I mean by that? God is friendship all the way down. You see, as I mentioned in my last sermon, God really is nothing other than the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, eternally giving themselves away to each other and receiving themselves back again, knowing each other fully, enjoying each other deeply, so much so that the three persons are absolutely inseparable, or as we say in the Creed each Sunday, one God. God, you might say, is like the famous motto of the three musketeers. All for one and one for all. It's, all, it's only an analogy, but it's getting. Jesus here is trying to lift up, as he so often does, to lift up the curtain on this deep triune reality and give us a glimpse of what it's like to be God, as if we can imagine that. As the Father loved me, he says, so I have loved you. He starts with God. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. He's saying that the love that we see in Him flows from an eternal source. It's something like a stream that will never run dry, coming out of the heart of God. To abide in the love of Jesus, then, is to abide in the most enduring, rock-solid reality in all existence. It means that you can count on it. Nothing can stop it. And there's no limit to it. Love is just who God is forever and ever. Amen. That leads me to the second truth, which is a truth about us. Namely, as I mentioned before from Aquinas, we were made for friendship with God and with one another. What does that mean? Well, it's easy enough to think about. To say that we're made for friendship is to say that we aren't made, for instance, just to use people to get ahead in life. To use people in order to get things that we want, like wealth, or pleasure, or power, or honor. Those are some things we've been talking about in Sunday school. Whenever your life is used, or excuse me, whenever your life is aimed at using people in order to get one of those things for yourself, well, you're neither being a true friend nor enjoying the gift of friendship. You may wind up rich and famous and powerful, sure, but you'll be fundamentally alone and you won't be happy. But when you don't care about wealth or pleasure or power or honor for their own sakes because your heart is filled and your life is aimed at the love of God and the love of neighbor, it turns out that that's actually when you'll find true happiness. That's what we're made for. Friendship with God and with one another. That brings me to the second truth about God. Namely, that there are no limits to how far God will go to make friends with us. Unfortunately, as you'll probably agree, being friends with God and neighbor doesn't always come 
naturally. There are some neighbors that we might struggle to be friends with, even to like. There are many reasons why this is true. The pain of rejection, or even just the fear of it, can sometimes keep us from living as friends with our neighbors. Likewise, we might fear that God surely would have no interest in being our friend, that we aren't worthy of God wanting to be friends with little old us. Or, we might be so accustomed to using people to get things that we want, that the very idea of enjoying God for his own sake as a beloved friend makes no sense to us. It's not something that we're even prepared for. And even if we were living as friends with our neighbors, how would we ever make the leap from there to friendship with the Almighty God? Well, the good news of the Word made flesh, God with us, is that a God who has walked a mile in our shoes, who has borne our burdens and shared our joys, is a God with whom we can be friends. If it weren't for the Incarnation, we couldn't be friends with God. God, without the Incarnation, would be our Lord, absolutely, our Lord and our Master, but He'd be so awesomely powerful and transcendent that the very idea of being friends with God would be absurd. It'd sort of be like making friends with the Atlantic Ocean. You just can't do it. But the incarnate God, Jesus Christ, is a God who speaks to us in words that we can hear and understand, who has a face that we can recognize and hands that we can touch. And more wondrous still even than that, the crucified and risen Christ is a God who has borne our sorrows and shared our afflictions by whose wounds we are healed as we read from the prophet Isaiah. Because God in Christ has taken our place, we can take his place in God's house as a beloved friend, indeed as a son. Neither distance nor sin nor death itself will keep God from finding us wherever we are to make us his friends. Well, that brings me to the fourth truth, which is about God's call for our lives. The fourth truth is this. We who have been befriended by God are called to be friends with the friendless, that they too might become friends with God. We're called to be friends with the friendless, that they too might become friends with God. How could we do otherwise once you and I have tasted the joy of friendship with God and felt the grateful wonder that this could have ever happened to you and me? From the very beginning, whenever the church has been true to the gospel it proclaims, the church has always had a special heart for those in the world who are despised are alone. James talks about true religion being a service of the orphan and the widow. Throughout the church, throughout the history of the church, people have reached out to care for the prisoners, the sick, the lonely, the neglected, the abused. When we know, when we see when we feel what God has done for us in Christ, we just can't help it. 
those who feel alone and rejected and condemned in this world are precisely the ones who need most to know the great good news that God invites them to to be his friends, to sit at his table, to join his family and share in their joy, his joy, forever. There are so many people who think that they're alone in this world. That's what their experience has led them to believe. That they think they can all, all they can rely on is their own strength, as it were, our own two fists and whatever weapons they can hold. But the power of God's patient love, of forgiveness and redemption, is much stronger than that. It may be quiet and it may be slow, but it's like a river that runs for years and years over jagged, hard stones until they're polished beautiful and smooth. I'll close with a story from the newspaper this past week that I thought gives a sense of what this means. 35 years ago, two brothers named Erasmo and Innocent, they're Italian names, Italian brothers, they lived prosperous lives somewhere in northern Italy. They were married, they were successful in their careers, they were reasonably wealthy, but they were spiritually adrift. They didn't know what to do with their lives. One day, Erasmo, who was an atheist, met a priest, an Italian priest named Father Luigi, who had a way of presenting the Christian faith as like a beautiful love story an encounter with the God of love who invites us to be his friends. He went back to his wife, to his brother, and to his brother's wife, and said to them all, God exists. I have met someone who is a witness to his reality. They were surprised. Erasmo was about the last person in the world you'd think would get religion. But before long, they had all found their way to faith in Christ. Now, Innocent was a surgeon at the local hospital. And one day he learned of an HIV-positive child there whose mother was dying. He went back home and told his brother and his brother's wife about it. And when Erasmo and his wife heard about it, even though they'd sworn that they would never have kids, that they didn't have time for that, well, they knew immediately what they were going to do. They were supposed to foster this child themselves. So they did. They took the child in. And what began with one poor, friendless child alone in the world grew and grew. Over the past 30 years, hundreds and hundreds of children have now lived with this family in what's grown to become a Christian community of five couples who've all banded together to provide a place of love for children who otherwise would never have experienced a loving home. Erasmo's wife, Serena, says, that many children that they meet there feel tossed aside by the world, unloved, forgotten, discarded. One child there had heard nothing but snarls and curses from her own mother all her life. But at their home, they're patiently loved and cherished until they start to believe that they're worth it. Marina, Innocent's wife, tells of how an abandoned child with Down syndrome there has become a revolution of love and joy for everyone present. Their project grew and grew to encompass more. A high school, a woodworking shop, a counseling and a mental health program, and even a 
cafe. It's become a real community of beauty and love and new beginnings for the lonely and the left behind. None of it was planned. It all just grew from a handful of people who had been befriended by God, who were willing to transform their lives to become friends with the friendless, to not just tell them, but show them the deep joy of the love of God that knows no limits. It all started, you might say, not just 35 years ago with Father Luigi, but with eternity, with the eternal triune God, friendship and joy all the way down. That led to God creating us to share in his joy, to live as his friends. Indeed, to sending his own son to make us his friends. Well, that led to Father Luigi. That led to Ernesto and Serena, Innocent and Marina, their hearts set on fire by the love of God. And that led to a precious child with Down syndrome, given a chance for a happy life. And hundreds of forgotten and abused children learning to open their hearts in love, playing together in a courtyard on a spring day, making friends. That's where the God, who called us his friends, led them. My question for us today is where will it lead you? Where will it lead us as a church? What friends are there that we still have to make? Who outside these walls is still waiting to find out that God calls them to be his friends and that he has a place at the table and a family waiting for them to I have said these things to you, Christ told us, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete.